Would you like an opinion on a financial matter you're dealing with? Whether it's about retirement, investments, taxes, or 401ks, Scott Hansen and Pat McLean would like to help you by answering your call. To join Allworth's Money Matters, call now at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Welcome to Allworth's Money Matters. I'm Scott Hansen. I'm Pat McClain. Glad you're here with us as we talk about financial matters. Both myself and my co-host, we're both financial advisors, certified financial planner, charter financial consultant. We help people throughout the week as they plan their finances and um, also do this program to help you with your finances as well. Yes. So whether you have financial advisors you work with now or you complete do-it-yourself person or anywhere in between, we're just getting started. Uh, we're glad that you are tuning in, and we hope to be a resource for you and answer questions if you'd like to be part of the program and call us as well. So that's um, you're welcome to join us. And uh, I'm going to start off. I got to tell you, Scott, um, I'm in a little bit of a bad mood. Um, we received an email from a gentleman that did not want to be uh, on our uh, show, uh, but wanted to kind of share his um, story with us. And coincidentally, uh, so Scott and I read articles throughout the week and, you know, we clip anything that we think may have be of interest to you. And coincidentally, one of the articles that we clipped this week was called GPB private placements using the worst tactics in Wall Street's playbook. And this yeah. came from... This was a... <clears throat> where did this come from? This investment news. Investment news. <laughs> the, what the, GPB, a private placement company, they uh, sold $1.8 billion. This company, they said that they specialized in automotive, primarily automotive, but waste management and um, holdings of vehicles. And they had touts that they were going to have a, an 8% return to their investors. Was that what it was in here? Yeah, 8%. Annual yields, promised annual yields of 8%. Uh, and they said the distributions would all come from earnings, not any of their principal. Uh, but it turns out, they're thinking it's just a big Ponzi scheme now. $1.8 billion. So how does this relate to you? Can you read a little bit of the email from the... Uh... Well, first of all, if you've listened to this program of any length of time, you'll know that we are not big fans of private placements which is something that typically are sold by brokers. Yes. They pay high commissions to the brokers. They have almost no visibility. They're really easy to get in and into and very difficult to get out of. They are not transparent at all. And oftentimes, because of the lack of transparency, you don't know where the money ends up. And so the, 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 the stick, the spiel that brokers, salespeople are using is don't expose yourself to stock market risk. That's what they're telling you. That same spiel they sell with the index annuities. Don't expose yourself to stock market risk. As if money will just fall from the heavens upon you because you chose a different asset class than the stock market. It doesn't work that way. It does not work that way. In fact, if you look at the approximate 18 asset classes you can invest in, you can get all of those asset classes with liquidity, which means they price on a daily basis. <laughs> Any you asset could, you can you imagine. Could, you could get rid of them, anything. Music titles. You want right? to invest in automotive like what this company was pitching? You, you can find that. You want to invest in waste management as they were pitching. You want to invest in art, publicly traded. You want to invest in wines. There are Vehicles that can do that. That's right. yeah. You want to invest in royalty catalogs, right? What's a, a royalty, royalty catalog? catalog? So Elton John wants to monetize his future earnings off of his albums, his music collection. Yeah, they sell them. They sell them. In fact, my son works for a company. One of my, my four children works for a company that prices future royalties on television and uh, movies. Prices them. Prices them. So when they actually, but you can buy that through a publicly traded. You product. can buy you. It's available. You don't have to buy private placements. You don't have to buy an index annuity. You can get to the same place with complete liquidity and a hundred percent transparency. So the reason 
this makes me um, mad is we same time we were going to talk about this we right. received this, an email this, this morning just, just this morning <laughs> was, and i think this 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 man is retired he deserved more than this he sent the this he sent this to questions at money matters listen to your show regularly and appreciate your sound advice and feedback provided to your callers i live not far from one of your offices and we started with an advisor close to your office in 2017 and where we placed Three fifty thousand dollar investments in GPB, a total of around one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. We have watched the fair market value deteriorate with a rough value today of fifty cents on the dollar, most likely less. Um, and for at least the last several years, there's been an increasing rumors of Ponzi-like behavior by the top brass, and just recently, the FBI have stepped in. With arrest, and I've raised the concern to my advisor several times. It was downplayed or sidestepped each time. I'm at a loss what to do. So short of pack, just packing everything and up and firing the brokerage firm that holds my investments. Not sure what my options are at this point. We've been with them for four years. They also take care of our uh, family trust and taxes, and they oversee over a million dollars in assets. But most of <laughs> Most of the investment vehicles they solicit and we hold are in alternative investments. We went to them for this reason, to lessen our exposure to the securities generally offered by Wall Street. And we do have some other investments in my spouse's so, 401k. The objective in this was to get away from the risk. He's 70 and fully retired. His objective was to get away from this risk, and unknowingly, he brought on much, much more risk because there is no silver bullet. There is no magic investment that's going to give you stock market returns without stock market risk. It doesn't exist. Your rate to return will always be predicated upon the risk that you're willing to, to take in a particular vehicle, assuming that you have all access to knowable information. Right. <laughs> yeah. And here he had no access to knowable information. And his advisor, his advisor. Which it looks like the advisor was a registered investment advisor, not a broker. But I'm well, wondering if there's... There was, they, well, I, went, I looked, I, I poked online. I didn't mention the name of the firm because I thought there's no sense going down that path. Yes. So, But you can get, to your point, you, two, two things here. You can get exposure to any asset class you want just through publicly traded securities of some fort or another. And if you're if you work with if you do things on your own, you could do your own research, build your own portfolio. If you work with an advisor that does not receive any commissions, he or she will have no financial incentive to try to sell you some product where they and it's usually these this sort of yeah. garbage. It's just you, yes. And then you wonder, like, what else is in this poor guy's portfolio? Oh, so I have. And how do you get you? Can, the thing is, you got these rarely price, and they're very difficult to get out of. They're also expensive to hold. Typically, if you want to have them in, in a in a brokerage account, all in a statement, you usually have to pay additional costs. Yeah, yeah. We know because what happens sometimes clients come to us and like, can you help us? We've got 80 or so uh, financial advisors, 70 or 80 financial advisors here at Allworth, typically work with people as they're nearing retirement or into retirement. And people come to us and they have these things that they bought years ago and they say, what do I do with this? How do I get out of this? So, so Scott. Uh, and you know, the bizarre thing, Pat and I have been working together for, it'll be 30 years um, this this fall. Really? So we started working with P Pac Bell back in the day. Oh, yeah, <laughs> doing the seminars for Pac Bell back in the day. No, yeah, it was um, helping people retire. Nineteen ninety one, and we've seen this stuff from day one. Back in the early nineties, it was the limited partnerships of the eighties that were all sold. They then, became then it was Viaticals. I mean, then it were ticks, tenants in common. Oh gosh, what yeah, what happened all that? And now even publicly traded. Even publicly traded things don't mean doesn't mean it's necessarily good. No, it doesn't mean it's good. So we talked a, a week or two ago about SPACs. But don't 
Do not buy privately held private private placements. If your net worth is twenty million plus, and you have and, a level of sophistication, and you want to be a partner in some sort of investment. By the way, if you look at the hedge fund universe, hedge funds underperform the publicly traded markets, right? Uh, so there's no panacea there. It's not. There's no such thing as a free lunch. And frankly. If you have $20 million, you can afford to keep your life simple and avoid that kind of stuff. Completely. Completely. But if they're sold by brokers, just but to, to, but stay, so stay away. away. The second thing, and to your point, Pat, there's no silver bullet. There's no magical investment out there. The reality is we are in an environment today where interest rates are pretty much zero. If you want to invest your money with the U.S. government for 10 years, you'll get 1.3 or 1.4 percent, whatever, a little more than. Yeah. Which, and that rate's gone up quite a bit. Yep. In the last it's moved significantly quickly. in the last few months. Uh, the feds are the ones who outright control short-term rates, and they have influence on long-term rates by their the way they purchase securities in the marketplace. But interest rates are extremely low. That's reality. So if you're going to, if someone else, if someone's, hey, look, I can go to the bank today or some financial institution and I could borrow money. I could pledge my house. I could pledge my business. I could borrow money at what? 3%? Three? <laughs> pledge of some real estate. Let's just call Easy. it. Easy. Let's call it 3%. I could borrow money at 3%. Someone's lending you the money at 3% for 30 years. For 30 years. For at 30 years. So if there's an investment that says we're going to, there'll be a, a guaranteed payment of 5%, 6%, this case was 8%. The question you would have to ask yourself is why? why? Why can't they get cheap money like I can get cheap money? Yes. If it is that good, if they could guarantee, they wouldn't go to the public markets. They would not have to. They wouldn't have to. Right. Or if they did, it would be, they would float a, um, their own bonds. They'd be paying, yeah. quality rated companies pay a half a percentage point more than the government. It's about all. So it's unfortunate in this particular situation that this retired gentleman and this assumed soon to be retired wife were trying to avoid risk by buying things that looked like they had no risk that had promised, promised returns promised returns of in fact i get it so my i have um college age sons and i was at my um my brother-in-law and sister-in-law's house for dinner and one of um their son's friends was there they, by the way am i did i get we didn't answer this guy's question go talk to a new advisor oh yes Get a second opinion. Have someone lift up the hood, look at those holdings, and give you an honest evaluation of what of what you've got going on there. Yeah. At but, a minimum, get a second opinion. This last week, I was at my brother-in-law and sister-in-law's house, and this young man was pitching me on this guaranteed 10%. And he said, Miss, he said Pat, what do you what think? What young man? He was like 20-something. He was dressed nice. He said, what do you think if I came to you with a sure bet 10% deal that there's no way you could lose money. I would say, I said to him, I wouldn't even talk to you if you talked to me like that. He said, you don't think your clients would be interested in this? And I said, oh, most certainly if it existed, I think everyone would be interested. <laughs> wait, wait, in was he literally like trying, was he selling some sort of investment? He had some sort of, I couldn't, I didn't get any further into yeah, it than that. Yeah, because it started that way. Yeah. I'm just like, don't even. It wasn't like, here's an interesting, interesting venture has promising opportunities. 10%. Yeah. <laughs> Can't lose. I'm like, that's all I need to hear. That's it. That's it. And he's like, well, aren't you interested in talking? Wouldn't your clients be interested in this? I said, absolutely not, because I don't believe that exists in this world. Guaranteed 10%. Can't lose. Come on. That's what this one sounded like. Got a great thesis behind it. I don't know what the thesis was. Well, it turns out it sounds like it's a Ponzi scheme, which will, would be interesting if this turns out to be the case because they're going to strike, they'll claw back distributions. Like even the Bernie Madoff thing, they went and the bankruptcy courts went and clawed back distributions saying, 
You didn't actually make any money. That was just stealing from uh, Peter to pay Paul. And they clawed back. And they clawed back. So I think here, like, are they going to try? Are they going to claw back these brokers for the commissions paid? I hope. One would certainly hope. One would hope. I don't know why brokers. What's wrong with people? Why do they bother selling this garbage? Well, one or two reasons. Either they don't know better. That's one inept. reason. I've met enough of those people in the industry. There's one reason. The other is that they're not honest. Or maybe the combination of the two. So it's, anyway, stay away from that stuff too. Yeah. And please well, stay away from the index annuities. It, we should keep an ongoing list in our office of people that come to us with illiquid products that they try to get out of. And we, we try to help them, but there's not a lot we can do. But the first thing you do is get all the money away from the uh, that advisor that you, you don't get away. invest in something you can't get out of immediately. Yeah, if it so. doesn't, unless you said your net worth is twenty million dollars or more, and you can afford. But even that, look, Pat, I remember, and we will take some calls here, but we're just enjoying our, our conversation right now. <laughs> and by the way, if you want to be a part of All Worth's Money Matters, it's eight three three ninety nine Worth. I was at on a, a panel with uh, Barons. There. Most of you probably know what Barron's is. It's a newspaper. I hope, actually, if you're listening to the program, you probably do. You don't need to if you uh, have an investment advisor, a quality advisor, just work for you. But Barron's is a, is a financial publication owned by Dow Jones and Company. And I was at a conference in San Francisco, and I was on a panel. There's two of us on a panel. It was me and uh, this other guy. I forget, he was with one of the one of the big Wall Street firms. And I guess we were kind of both. Um, I don't know. They chose to have both the two of us on this particular panel. We're talking about how we do our, our business and stuff. And this guy, he said his, his average client had $50 million with him. Okay. The average client that comes to see us at Allworth has, I think, 750 to invest, something like that. But we, we, we have accounts. 20 million plus. Yeah, yeah. We have accounts that are small, but the average client. Yeah, we have a, some people come to us 500 or 300 even, right? Yeah, and, but, or 100. It, it, you know, we try to help whoever we can. And so here's what I, this guy was talking about. And he said, he said, oh, yeah, my clients, uh, we use hedge funds, private equity, private placements. My, he's, my typical client has 18 different investments through us. I can't even okay. imagine what now, that tax return you, looks like. By the way. When you invest in a something like a hedge fund or a private equity fund, what happens? You sign up, you make a commitment. Let's say you're committing five hundred thousand dollars to invest. They'll say, "Great, we're going to use your five hundred thousand. We're going to go look for the investment opportunities. When we find them, we will call upon you to give us some of that five hundred you promised until the point when we will finally put it all to work." So, what ends up happening from an administrative standpoint? is you get these capital calls periodically. And maybe they occur every six weeks or whatnot. All of a sudden, you don't, know, you don't know when they're coming. Just all of a sudden, oh, by the way, in 10 days, you need to wire this dollar amount to this account. So you multiply this by several products you've got. And, I'm th and now your life is extremely complicated. Yes. Contrast that with an article I read in, I don't know, it was the Wall Street Journal. It was one of those publications. It was a, a, a political appointee. I forget what he was being. And so he had to disclose his assets. And you know, they're always kind of strange numbers. It's never like from $1 million to $5 million. It's always like $1,247,000 to however. So his net worth was somewhere between whatever. It was somewhere like $81 million and $120 million. He was the past, uh, I don't know if he's president or CEO of the Chicago Futures Trading Commission. That's what, that's what his role was. Wall Street veteran, on options, right? So he ran the options board, essentially. His largest holding was a, was a total stock market index fund. <laughs> he just, it's just like... <laughs> of like $30 million of the total stock market index fund. Kept his life simple. Someone who grew up, built his career in the sausage-making business of Wall Street, all these complicated products, that's what he did. He leaves, he puts everything in the total stock market index fund. And so I, was, I read that and I thought about, here's a guy, he played the game long enough to know that 
look, most people cannot outperform the broad indexes. And he says, why try? I'm going to just own the broad index. And over cost. time? Over time, I'm going to outperform all my, my peers. Over time? Right? At least 80 or 90% of them. Patience and persistence. And I think about this broker, because that's what he was, a broker. Average client's $50 million. These $50 million, they're not... They're not necessarily sophisticated investors who want to get involved in all these things. You know what? They're the person who started a business. They're the, they're the person who worked for a, a startup that did extremely well. They're really good at their own job, their own profession. They probably sold their business. Ended up with a pile of cash. More cash than they'll spend in their lifetime. They're not the kind of people that are taking private jets everywhere, for the most part. Yep. You wouldn't know him in a crowd. You would. You you might have a friend who's got fifty million bucks, and you don't even realize. You wouldn't know him in a crowd. And and instead of saying, "I'm gonna let's let's find a plan that's gonna accomplish your goals, your family's goals, all your your financial needs, hopes, and wants that you've ever thought about," instead of making their life simple so they can go live their life, they overcomplicate things with tons and tons of different types of investments. Yeah. And for what? To what end? It's, studies show it's not going to be any more profitable doing that. To what end? It'll keep the broker with that relationship. Busy. Yeah. The same thing that this letter that came to us. I'm not going to mention the name. But he says, I've been with my advisor for four years. They oversee our family trust. They do our taxes. So it would be a complicated and big deal to just change firms. Well, that's not a good enough reason. That isn't a good enough reason. But that could be a reason why some of these brokers do that. And here we are at a time when the stock market, we're finally starting to see a little bit of more volatility. Oh, finally. And, it, you know, Tesla's not going up every day like it had for a while. Yeah. Bitcoin's gone nuts. Crazy. I don't understand it. I kind of understand it. It's, it's, you know, it's the greater fool. Well, it's all it is. It does nothing. Yeah. In it and does, of itself, it does nothing. It does, yeah. And it's extremely volatile. To, within, the last year, within the last year, it went from 5,000 to over 50,000. So a terrible store of, of wealth. Because there's, mm -hmm. if you don't know, if you put your money there because you want to go buy a house in six months, you don't know. If, yeah. <laughs> You don't know if it's going to be worth 5000 What's 000. the underlying asset? What's it produce? What's Bitcoin produce? Uh, greenhouse gases for all the mining it takes. The energy. <laughs> right. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Yeah, you've seen those stories, all the com computers it takes to whatever, like mine a Bitcoin. And yeah. the, the electricity bills are through the roof and everything else. It is an irony, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> It's an irony. How yeah. Much well, I think a lot of that is actually, you know, it's used on the dark web. To, I get the idea of why, if I was a criminal, um, that you would want to use a, a currency that isn't controlled by a government. Yeah, and they can't track you. Yeah, you find exactly. The, find the wire. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's if you're a criminal, what a what a, a beautiful way of moving your assets around the globe at any point in time. Anyway, we've we've been talking about. Oh. Um, it's we <laughs> we started the program on. I think the hardest thing, Pat. Look, historically, every nine months we have a ten percent pullback in the stock market. It's expected. Historically, every three years we have roughly a twenty percent pullback in the stock market. It's expected, and we're at this euphoria feels like right now. And but this gentleman invested in two thousand seventeen. Imagine what those dollars would have done in a well-diversified, simple portfolio. Oh, correct. Right? And back to the story. He was trying to get away from risk and in doing so exposed himself to even more risk. And that's what happens with private places, these non-traded real estate investment trusts, these uh, master limited partnerships that are non-traded, indexed annuities. Look, if you knew how an index annuity was constructed, 
you would recognize that it actually there is such a large cost of giving you downside protection That's in the market. <laughs> That's right. That if you had and you a have fi- such little actually participation in the true markets. Yeah, if you had a 50-50 portfolio of 50% stocks and 50% bonds with some traded real estate in there, you 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 you'd weather any market cycle that we've had historically and still be on the upside. Yeah. So anyway, it's a, it's a, it's a weird time. And if you are retired or nearing retirement, it's all the more important to understand what real risk you have. And I think you said it well, it's like people are looking for an alternative to reduce risk, but in the process actually take on more risk than they realize and end up with some sort of product that, didn't even trade, and now it's worth 50 cents on the dollar or worse. So anyway, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we will take some calls. Again, to join us, 833-99-WORTH. This is All Worth's Money Matters. Can't get enough of Allworth's Money Matters? Visit allworthfinancial.com slash radio to listen to the Money Matters podcast. Welcome back to Allworth's Money Matters. Let's head right to the phones because we jabbered on <laughs> for quite a bit early on. Let's talk with Mark. Mark, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Hey, guys. How are you? We're uh, fantastic. Mark. I live, a, live out in Charleston, South Carolina. Longtime listener. Actually, third-time caller. Oh, good. Um, I got Beautiful place, questions. by the way. I've never Abs- been. I've always wanted to go. Absolutely gorgeous. Absolutely. And, I love it. And, and what a rich and varied history uh, Charleston has. I'm not pretty, pretty, pretty All right, brutal. Mark, what's your question? <laughs> so I got, a, I got actually three questions. Um, my first one is, I'll give you my background real quick. I'm 47 years old, divorced, two teenage daughters. Um, I have about... 775000 in retirement saved, 65000 in brokerage, and probably 30000 in cash. I own two rental properties, and I'm building my primary resident right now. And um, my question is, with money being so cheap right now, do you think it's better to put as little as much down and lock in on a low rate or put 20% down not to have PMI? Put twenty percent uh, down. Put twenty percent down to not have the PMI. Four, if you were if you Why were you twenty that? if you were twenty seven. Well, the, first of all, the PMI is when you add that in, it's a pretty expensive cost. And what happens is you can't you you can't take that PMI and amortize it over the whole cost of the loan. You have to look at it at the at anything over twenty percent. So what it does is oftentimes it will drive the cost of money over 80% up by two times, right? So people have a tendency to look at it and say, well, if this PMI is only $5,000 a year or 4,000, so it's not that much, but you don't look at it that way. You only look at it for any excess dollar over 80%. And that's the cost of money that you, that, 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 that's the real cost of money there. That's why if you can avoid PMI, avoid PMI. Okay. And not only that, I, given your age, I would, if I were in your situation, I'd have a goal to have my house paid off by the time I quit working. That, that's definitely a goal. Good. But if I had to cash out half of my brokerage account stocks for that down payment. Sounds like, well, stocks are high. It's a great time to sell. Yeah. And yeah, by the way, yeah. do you have all stocks in your retirement plan? Yes, I do. Okay. 100% equity. Well, yeah, 100% equity. Okay. Yeah. And what are the values of the rental properties? Uh, one's worth about four hundred and thirty thousand. I owe two ninety five on it. Mm-hmm. The other one's worth about one hundred and thirty thousand. I owe ninety on it. And what are the interest rates on those? Three point one two on the four hundred and thirty thousand dollar one, and four and a quarter on the other one. I'm refinancing the other one. Yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yep, I would if I had to liquidate to get to the eighty uh, percent uh, loan to value. Absolutely. You have a fairly high tolerance for risk based upon your profile, yeah. right? 100%. And I was not saying that's, I mean, over the next decade, it's probably going to play out very well for you. You're all in stock in your 401k, your retirement plans, uh, and you've got a couple rentals that you have a pretty high level of debt on them. So you're betting on 
um, long-term appreciation. But you, it could be a rocky road between here and there. Which is fine. Yeah. You will be rewarded for that. Okay. Okay. Well, my, my other question is what, and I should know the answer to this, but I don't know exactly the answer. Outside of a 401k and an IRA, what other ways to save for retirement that are tax friendly? Just own a total stock market index fund. Extremely tax Just friendly. Because okay. the, the, the yields on them are so low, it grows its capital appreciation. Uh, as it grows, you have the ability at some point in time, you could transfer those to your kids and they, if they, to avoid your capital gain tax, the way state laws are structured today, if you die owning them, the capital gains is forgiven. It's very tax efficient. Okay. And then my third question is, which is, you guys get asked this a lot, when do you sell a stock? My rule of thumb is when I need it. Oh, uh, if you're owning an individual stock and not a, um, a, a mutual fund or an ETF or an index. Yeah, just ask yourself, would you buy that stock today? And the answer is no, then really? sell it. It's not, it's, oh, okay. it's not any more difficult than that. I don't own any individual stocks. I own a couple. I own none. I have a lot, and I'm, I'm trying to decide. Probably, I have probably 20 different stocks. I bought it back when the pandemic started and everything shot down, and yep. now they're all doing very well, well like you- Tesla you know, Microsoft, things like that. Yeah. Well, you're going to sell some anyway. You're going to sell some anyway. So go through there. And if you're so charitably inclined, those are the the ones that you would use. So if the question is, should I sell my Tesla stock to have a higher down payment or keep my Tesla stock to avoid PMI? I would absolutely say sell your Tesla stock. You would. A hundred percent. I have a lot. Yeah. I bought Tesla when it was really, really cheap. It's really, really expensive now. Really expensive. I'm not a market timer. I don't know how to time the market over the long term. I have, but looking at the broad market. But when you sometimes you see these outliers in individual companies that either scream I'm super cheap or scream, wow I'm expensive. I don't know how I'll ever grow into my value. That's what it, Tesla seems to me right now. Yeah. All righty. Uh, one quick question, and I know you guys don't like it, but what's your prediction on cryptocurrencies? Oh my. Oh, I don't know. I don't. I, I'm not much of a prediction guy. I I I I uh, I. It might, you know, I could see at some point in time, things settle in. But all it takes is a government to say we disallow you to use that. I couldn't you see China saying we're not going to allow our citizens to hold this anymore. I mean, I, there, I think there has to be made for that to true to be a fiat for that currency to take over fiat currency. I think you're going to have to see a major dis- disruption in our political system, like a collapse. Yes, like a total collapse. And then I'm not con- confident that that's necessarily going to be the currency of choice. Guns, maybe. Got it. Appreciate the call. Got it. Yeah. I uh, right. appreciate it. Thank you. Right. Thanks, Mark. Glad you called. 833-99-WORTH is the number. Charleston was beautiful, though. My wife and myself and my daughter went there for three days. It was very nice. I enjoyed it. Okay. Lots you of sh- history. Okay. I've not been. <laughs> Uh, let's talk with Bob. Bob, you're with All Worth's Money Matters. Hi, Scott and Pat. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah. Love your show. We do, too. <laughs> that makes something to come. <laughs> oh, my gosh. God. What's God. wrong with you? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what is wrong with you? I'm and, I'm, and I'm really good looking. I'm joking. And everyone likes me. <laughs> I don't know about that. But <laughs> What can we do for you? I'm about to do a remodel in my bathroom, pretty major remodel, two, two bathrooms completely redone for a significant amount of money. And I want to know, does it make more sense to sell some stock uh, and pay the capital gains or use my HELOC and pay the 4.99% what do you, interest rate? What do you, what's the value of the home today? 800. And what do you owe on it? Uh, I owe about three hundred, but I'm a, I'm in the middle of a refi, um, consolidating two mortgages into one at two point five, three thousand five hundred that I owe. And how much will you owe on that after? Uh, what five five hundred total will be owed? Well, I mean, rather than if, I think the question would be: Should I add the additional cost of the remodel onto my? Five hundred thousand dollars. I've I've already added in some to the limit they'll give me the two point five. Got it. 
if I go higher, they're going to, they're going to increase the rate. So I, I put, I think I have 10 or 15 that's going to come from the refi of the two homes. And then the balance, I need to figure out if I want to put it on a HELOC or if I want to sell stock. And how much stock do you have? And, uh, stock, I have about um, 170K. And what do you have elsewhere? How much do you have in IRAs or 401Ks or that? Um, and my wife and I combined have um, 1.7 in uh, retirement accounts. Um, we have a few rental properties. Yeah, all right. How old are you? Um, I'm 62. Mm. I would, if I were in your situation, I would find the most the stocks that have done the very best for you, and sell those and finance it that way. I mean, there's a cost. There, there is a real cost of redoing your bathrooms, right? Yeah, sometimes Correct. it's your marriage. <laughs> no, 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 no. More than that. Like, I get it. I mean, that money is a tool designed to help us accomplish some goals we have in our life, right? So I totally understand, like, why you might want to, uh, to redo your bathroom. But just you need also to appreciate that nothing comes free. So it's going to cost you somewhere. Either you're going to pay, to this point, 5%. And you can also do a margin loan on your why would, account. But, why would you use the most highly appreciated there, Scott? Well, because they, the they had the highest run-up. Yeah, assuming that he's held up for a period of time. How long have you owned these stocks? Uh, anywhere from one to 10 years. And the only reason, it's, it's, things are so frothy right now. The euphoria. I, are you over-concentrated in any of your holdings? Does one or two stocks really. make up? I would go with Scott here. I, I wouldn't be afraid to sell the stocks in, in this environment and just do it down. And Is your the, 401k 100% invested in stocks? Yes. 100% in stocks? Uh, probably. I'm, my wife is, so mine is actually 80-20. My wife's is, is 70-30. Okay, so here's what you can do. You can replicate those positions. I wouldn't recommend that. You're already really aggressive He right is now super at aggressive at 62. Yeah, I wouldn't. I just I'd sell be the happy stock. to sell the stock and pay, get this thing paid for. Yep. If I were in your situation. I'm going to go with Scott on this one. Okay. So, so. And then make sure you've got at least, are you retired? No, not yet. Okay. Whenever, I mean, plan so that you've got at least five years worth of income outside of the stock market in your retirement plan. So when you, re, so, so you're you, never forced to sell any stocks. Will you be receiving down. a pension when you retire? Uh, I will not. Uh, my wife will. And my wife is probably eight years away from retirement. I mean, look, nothing wrong with, but part of the thing, I was talking to a, a friend of mine's redoing their bathroom right now. He said tile prices increased 30% since the pandemic because yeah. everyone's redoing their bathrooms. Everybody, yes. Tile. The, the raw tile is <laughs> up like, 30%. They're like, hey, let's go do a Zoom meeting in my bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> Why is the bathroom so, so attractive, the most attractive part of your well, house You still now? spend quite a bit of time there. <laughs> we all spend time in the bathroom. That's hum part of humanity. All right. Well, good luck. Um, a, a, another question I so, have is if I do sell stock, should I, if this ends up going, it's not going to go that long. So say, do I want to do it over a period of two years? Um, look, I, 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 I mean, just if you charted the stock market the last 50 years, the run we've had has been phenomenal. That's not to say that it's not going to continue for another few years. I have no idea. But statistical probabilities say sell stock. <laughs> yeah, and you're not necessarily market timing. Mean, it's for short term. You're talking about a short term. So that's when you say the next year or two, like, heck, who knows what's going to yeah, happen. The and next year. the Ten reason that'll be higher. The reason you save these assets were to actually sell them at some point in time. Did you not? I actually, I, I did this to do these kinds of things. Well, there, okay, you go. there we more go. So good. Even there, it worked it. out great. You planned, you planned really well financially. You've got more money than you need for the bathrooms. Perfect. Sell the stock. Excellent. Right. Hey, pigs get fed, hogs get slaughtered. Appreciate the call. Yeah. Not to say Thanks, you're being piggish, but it's, it's, gets very, it's hard to be an investor. Right? It can be very challenging. So here he's had the whole plan. This is the investor in that. But the stocks have done so well. 
that you don't want to sell them? Histor historically, stocks have done about six percentage points above that of the rate of inflation. I wouldn't expect any higher return than that for the next 20 years. Yeah. I would not expect any higher return than that over the next 20 years. 833-99-WORTH will get you on All Worth's Money Matters. And we're talking with Janice. Janice, you're with All Worth's Money Matters. Hi. How are you? We're wonderful. Thank you. Good. I've got a question about bonds. Okay. Right. What I, I understand how bonds work, that they go in the opposite direction of interest rates. And, you know, so if interest rates go up, bonds go down and vice versa. And I also understand that you can buy individual bonds and hold them to maturity date. And even though the value is going down in the interim, that you'll get the face value of the bond and the interest at the time that it matures. So I get all of that. But what I don't understand are investing in bond funds or ETFs particularly when, you know, interest rates are as low as they are right now. And with all the stimulus, isn't it likely that the interest rates will go up and that basically you're just throwing money away? Yeah, but, the, but, the, but the same thing's happening with the individual bonds you're holding. It doesn't make any difference because if you opened up a mutual fund or an ETF, it's consists of individual bonds. It just, your right. view of the world is what's different, not how not the mechanism reality. of the bonds working. But here's the, the interesting thing is, I mean, interest rates are so low right now, we need to be really careful of our bond investments. And right. the, the, what we call the spread, that's the, the difference in the interest rates between government bonds and corporate bonds, that, that difference is like about as low as it's ever been. And especially in high yields or junk bonds. Right. That spreads, it's like it, investors, yeah. are, it's unbelievable. Yes. The, it's how like the low reach, return they're willing to accept. The reach for yield is so great. So uh, how much how much money do you have in bonds? Or what percentage uh, of your portfolio? We have probably about 50% of our portfolio yeah. in bonds. I think the key is just to make sure that your duration is relatively short. Rather than investing, you don't want to own a bunch of 20 or 30 year bonds. Right. Because right because then but but they but, can swing like crazy. And if you were going to buy individual bonds, what what individual bonds would you buy? Would you buy corporates or governments or um, I'm not sure. Actually, probably would do government, but but I I'd need some guidance if I were going to do that. I don't know. You, yeah. So so what, if you were to do that, you're going to get to the same place inside of a bond fund and ETF. And and quite frankly, okay. the costs are so low, it's not even worth the hassle to you. And you're going to see that fluctuation the same way you would see the fluctuation if you owned an individual bond. So if I bought a bond today for a hundred thousand dollars. And interest mm -hmm. rates went up by 1%. I would expect to see a value of my bond fall, let's say, to about 95000 depending upon the, the duration. Or more. Or 85000 right. The longer the bond is, the, the longer, more you'll... Depending upon the duration of the bond. The right. same thing's going to happen in my mutual fund is going to happen in a bond. It's going to show up in the statement is the same way. What the bond fund does is actually gets professional management and it may make sense to sprinkle some corporates in that. Doesn't have necessarily be as long as you're broadly diversified. As long as you're broadly diversified, and you're going to get broad diversification inside of a bond fund, which you won't get on in individuals. Okay. And okay, I think well, the reason you would own bonds today is because otherwise you earn nothing on your cash investments. Exactly. I mean, the, the Feds okay. have lowered rates to try to encourage people. I mean, it's working. Large, it's it's why. working. <laughs> What did they Stock try to do? Price through the rails, through the roof. It, Real estate's through the roof. It, it, it forces people. Commodity prices through it, the roof. It forces people to to move up their risk tolerance, their the reach, which actually spurs the economy, which actually creates lots of bad decision making as well. Exactly. It really does, it, both at an individual and corporate level, because you see corporations laying on debt here. Oh yeah. That they wouldn't normally That's lay right. on. Right. It's cheap. It's cheap. All right. I agree. Okay, well, that definitely answers my question. So I really appreciate it. Well, yeah, thank and you. the challenge I see with individual bonds, one of the who was having a conversation with someone just the other day. I said, the nice thing about being in this industry for a long time, I've personally experienced all these different market cycles. It's not like I've just read about them, right? I've had my own personal experience, not with my with both my own cash as well as with clients. And I remember things like in the financial crisis, 
when which which made which automobile company went totally bankrupt? It was was a Ford or GM. They both had to get bailed out of some, some degree. A, we had a client who had a bond in one of those that didn't get paid back on his on his principal. And I'm thinking, wow. here's a triple A rated. It co- was until it wasn't. Uh-huh. It was. It's exactly right. So. Uh, I've never been a big fan of owning individual bonds. We've always. How about the PG&E bonds? Remember those? Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, right. we could go through a list. WorldCom, MCI. Well, those are some, yeah. I mean, things that looked investment grade. So you're, be, you're much better off having a broad. That's the nice thing about a mutual fund. You could have hundreds of companies in there. And if one goes south, and it's not going to have that much of an impact. So appreciate the call. Exactly. Yeah. Wish okay, well, thank Janice. Thank you. All right. Let's uh, go to Texas and talk with Dennis. Dennis, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Hello, Pat and Scott. How are y'all? We're wonderful. What can we do for you? That's, well, I, uh, I'm pleased to be here for two reasons. First of all, first of all, I enjoy your jovial banter between you two. It's always fun for me to listen to you. And second, I'm a proud Allworth client here. Okay. In Houston, okay. So, well, well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for both. <laughs> Well, yeah, uh, believe me, I'm pleased with those for sure. So well, the uh, joyful ba- banter is just a, it's a guise to hide the crusty interior. <laughs> there you go. That's right. So well, it's, it's, it's fun to listen to and it's, it's fun and educational at the same time. So it's a, so it's a good ride on the, on the radio for sure. So uh, I've, uh, the question I've got is I've traded options for a long time. And my question is this, how do you feel about using long dated call options as a small percentage of a retirement portfolio. I actually don't know how I feel. I've never thought <laughs> about it before. <laughs> uh, how long have you been trading options? Uh, 30 years. I ran an option desk for an oil oh. company for 15 years. So, and, so I know I know about the instrument, and I'm just curious about, uh, may, about your thoughts. Yeah. I mean, I think options can work well for – they can work well for individuals when they're designed for risk reduction. When okay. they're designed to um, for speculation, that's where they don't work out. And you understand about being in the options. I mean, it's a zero-sum game. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's a buy, buyers, <laughs> buyers and sellers. Right. No doubt about zero-sum so. game, plus there's the transaction cost and all that. So it's actually a little bit less than that. It's, it's about the same – I mean – you you don't go to the casinos and play blackjack. You know that over long enough, the house is going to end up winning because the odds are slightly ahead. It's the same thing in the options market. If you're there trying to speculate, if it if it's designed to simply reduce risk, um, yeah, I don't I don't have any potential. I don't have any real problem with it. And if if it's something you've done over the years, you know what you're doing, and yeah, so. It, well, yep. and it, you know, it's a defined risk. You know exactly how much you're putting into it, and, you're, and right. you're right. It's a, it's a, it's like any investment. There's some risk involved, and yet there's always trade-offs and so on. So, uh, but, uh, yeah, if you're ahead. if you're structuring them in such a way as to reduce risk, then I think. And and, and Dennis, and you said long calls. Why long? How long is long? Uh, a couple of years. And are you doing it on individual cost. stocks or, or indexes? Yes, yeah. And let, let me tell you specifically what, what, what happened. I, I was fortunate enough to buy some Apple stock in 1980 for $12. I bought 100 shares. And I still hold, I'm still holding on to most of it. What's that it value? So, so you paid $1,200 because there's been splits. And stuff. Yep. You paid yep. $1,200. What's it worth today? And then, oh, 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 well, over the years, we you know, the stock has split yep. five times. We've peeled some of that off. It's gone up been a great investment we peel it off but i had uh six thousand shares in march of this year and they have doubled since then so oh, that yeah, was like- eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars so we peeled off me and my good Alworth advisor peeled off about a third of those in the last couple of weeks uh didn't quite get the top but we got a pretty good pretty good chunk that's amazing and, <laughs> yeah it's been it's been fab been really really lucky and blessed but what what but my problem is I'm having a cake and want to eat it as yeah. well, and so I've sold these sold these shares off, and I said, you know, I would really like to stay exposed 
to this Apple stock because I like them long term, but I don't want to leave, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars sitting on the shelf with that. So I said, let's just buy twenty five thousand dollars worth of two year call options out of the money. call I, options. I, I, Listen, you, so. you know, and tax law favors that. Yes. Tax law favors that because now you provide yeah. some more clarity on what you're right. So so tax yeah. law favors it because it, the first death of you and your spouse you're going to receive a step up in basis and then you could do whatever you want without any tax implications. So the call options. And this is all in my IRA. Okay. Got it. So, but anyway, that's, so it's a, so it's basically a diversification of, you know, I, you know, I bought, you know, 20 shares, which, you know, allows me to control 2000 shares of the underlying. So we'll, we'll see. I'd be okay with it. I'm pretty, I'm pretty, I feel pretty comfortable that in two years, Apple's going to be well above where it is now. There's a chance I can make ten times my money on it. You know, if it goes where I think it's going to go. So we'll see. But I, but I always appreciate you guys' opinion. Yeah, well, I appreciate well there I appreciate will be a time, my... Dennis, as every other. If you think about it, every other great American company over the last hundred years, there will be a time when that company as well will reach some sort of maturation, yeah. stagnation. And decline. It's a natural order of life. If you look at the Dow yeah. Jones Industrial Average, there were 11 stocks that started in it. Nine oh, of yeah, them, there were yeah. railroad stocks. Exactly. Nine out of the 11. Right. How yeah. many railroad yeah. stocks are in the Dow Jones now? Uh, none that I recall. <laughs> right? so, uh, well, the problem the problem is it's a, psycho- it's a psychological I, problem. You. That's the problem with, with investment. And, and being and, an investor and, and is a psychological problem. And, and every t- every time we peeled some off or sold some, it's a mis- it's been a mistake. No, it hasn't been a mistake. No, it hasn't been a mistake. It has not been a mistake. No, no, no. You can only make a decision. You can. Don't beat yourself up. Every time we look back, I go, hmm. I wonder. I wonder should I have held on to that or not? So, I used to run a trading desk when I was run run the option desk in the oil company. And one of the biggest things we had to deal with was what I call the PBH syndrome, and that's paralyzed by hope. <laughs> and so we often get paralyzed by hope. We go, oh, man, you know, I, I know this is that we And we stay in losing positions because we're paralyzed by mm-hmm. the hope that it's going to come back. And so it's uh, so, I, so I'm having one of my, you know, do I have oh. the cake or do well, I eat it as well? They, so, I mean, you clearly understand yeah, that investing it, is a very emotional and it, journey. It, oh, absolutely. And, and it depends on the head, cost yeah. of the call option. Too right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, sure, I mean, that's yeah. what drives yeah, it. All so that, appreciate so. the. Yeah, yeah appreciate we the wish you well, Dennis. We're running out of time in the program, and uh, look, you need to make in your investments. You make a decision based upon the readily available information at that time, and if it was the right decision at that time, it was the right decision. Frankly, I mean, that's how you have to look at some of these things. So, anyway, we're out of time. It's been a, a joy, really, to be with you this week, uh, this weekend, and we'll see you next week. This has been All Worth's Money Matters with Scott Hanson and Pat McLean. This program has been brought to you by Allworth Financial, a registered investment advisory firm. Any ideas presented during this program are not intended to provide specific financial advice. You should consult your own financial advisor, tax consultant, or estate planning attorney to conduct your own due diligence.